surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is your host, Taylor, and I hope you're all having a wonderful week thus far. Uh, I'm very excited to share with you all this episode that was recorded in Toronto with the very lovely Katrina Marie. Uh, One of you actually suggested I have her on the pod and super appreciate this connection because I felt good vibes just from her Instagram, but (laughs) this episode was so much fun (laughs) to do. (laughs) At one point, we were literally (laughs) leaning back in our chairs, touching our clits in this co-working space. Um, Thankfully, everyone in that office was amazing, and (laughs) we did not uh, make anyone feel uncomfortable, but I learned a lot from Katrina, and I'm excited for you all to learn a lot from her as well. Uh, She's a sexual empowerment coach, a body sex facilitator, and the creator of My Orgasmic Life. So if you don't follow her on Instagram, definitely make sure to check her out at My Orgasmic Life. And also, if you don't follow the podcast page yet, it is at let's talk about it underscore podcast. And I'll be doing talk about it Tuesdays, every other Tuesday on my page and on the podcast page to kind of continue these conversations with you all. So uh, in this episode with Katrina, she she honestly she helps women all over the world um, learn how to have deeply connected and self-expressed sex. Um, she has a bachelor's in sexual studies and also studied midwifing. And in this episode, we're, we get a little into just kind of how our past experiences can actually impact the ability to have deeply connected sex and looking both externally and externally um, to create self-expressed sex. This episode was super, super fun to record. Um, Another amazing Canadian. Shout out to the Canadians. Um, And I hope you all really enjoy this episode. One thing I do want to share before we get into this episode is another great resource that I love sharing with you all. Um, It's called BetterHelp. You've probably heard me talk about it a bunch on the pod and also my Instagram. Um, But I've partnered with them to kind of help offer 10% off your first month of sessions. So it gives you a little bit of extra push in getting help that I know sometimes can be difficult. And they do also offer financial assistance. So you can check them out at betterhelp.com slash Taymoka. And Also, just another reminder, um, I was sharing on my Instagram a few weeks ago about a bra that was made specifically for small-chested women that I was super excited to have found because I didn't realize companies like this actually existed. Uh, And so that was Pepper Bra, and I've also partnered with them to help get you all free shipping. So if you go to pepperbra.com and use code TAYLOR, then you'll get some free shipping if you're part of the Itty Bitty Titty Committee like me. So I hope that both of those things are kind of helpful and just want to leave those as reminders. Um, I also have those things listed on the link in my bio on my Instagram page. So um, if you ever forget what these codes are, you can definitely find them there. And now that we've got some of the logistical things out of the way and I've kind of told you a bit of what you're going to listen to today, uh, you can start listening to it now. So (laughs) welcome to episode 106. 
Let's Talk About It. All right. So welcome to the show, Katrina. Thank you so much for coming in to chat with me today. (laughs) I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. Yes. And I have to say, when I first found your feed, I just felt like, oh, she's like a vibe, right? I was like, this is such a specific like vibe and energy that you had that I was just like, we're going to have a great conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I forget how amazing the conversations I get to have Mm -hmm. every day. Yeah. And then you go to like the bank or something. And you're like, I feel like I'm dying inside. (laughs) And like, I can't stop yawning. Like our work is very Mm life-giving or I'll speak for myself. My work is very life-giving. And these kinds of conversations Mm -hmm. are kind of the only ones I really want to be having. Yeah. I totally agree. And It's interesting as I've made somewhat of a transition to discussing more sexual health on the podcast. Part of it was, you know, A, just the fact that it's less talked about than Mm -hmm. mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, B, the fact that it's something a lot of people feel shame around. Mm -hmm. But also C, because it gives me a lot of like excitement and passion to talk about. And in my personal life, it's a huge part of what I talk about and that I love. And so now I feel like the fact that I get to do these recordings, I'm like so much more excited. About oh yeah. It. <laughs> oh yeah. I feel like sexuality is the most playful thing we can do as adults. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like I the, like that. Yeah. It's it's play with adult privilege, you mm-hmm. know? That's mm-hmm. what sex is. And I'm yeah. I'm into that. I like that a lot. Um I wanna hear a little bit if <sighs> There's so many things I want to hear about from you and just your life in general. And we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, But first, I want to start off asking kind of how you got to where you're at today. Um, You host these courses that help teach women how to masturbate, which Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to talk about, um, and how to orgasm and how women can experience pleasure. Mm -hmm. Um, But how did you get here? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like, where do I start? Like, give me your whole life story now. Yeah. well, (laughs) Maybe just like a piece. Okay, cool. A small Uh, piece. Well, I feel like when people hear that I'm a sex coach, they assume I'm having amazing sex or that, I don't know, I'm some sort of like nympho that got into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But really the way I got into it was I was raised super conservative, Christian, Mm -hmm. small little community. Yeah. Nobody ever talked about sex. I had like a mysterious book arrive on my pillow on certain birthdays of like ages that was like a God-centered sex book. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. With like watercolor paintings of like women, like in, women in like a, like a married couple embracing. Like it was very... Huh. It, yeah. Like you, you feel me, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that I was, that was kind of the scene. And this is before you could just Google stuff. Mm-hmm. And literally every part of my sexuality and even my reproductive system were kind of shrouded in mystery, Hmm. maybe because I was shy to ask about it. That's a part of it. But do you put that on yourself though? Because you were a child. Totally. An adolescent. Totally. You can't put that on yourself. No, it's definitely a concoction, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so... You know, I remember looking in my cousin's underwear while I was babysitting to see if she had discharged because I thought there was something wrong with me. For sure. No, I I feel like every woman has been there. Just like that little peak when you're like a teenager, right? Of like, wait, oh, they have that too? Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah. And this whole thing of just, am I normal? Yeah. Is this normal? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I 
the thing that happened for me was when I was mm, probably 18, 19, I stopped Mm -hmm. wanting to have sex with Mm -hmm. my boyfriend at the time, which didn't make really any sense to me because we were like super into each other. And you guys were together or had been having sex for a while. Uh, Oh God. When was the first time you had sex? I was 16. Yeah. I was like 15. I wanted to wait till I was 16. Virginity is a whole topic. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. I feel like I've talked about it in almost every episode where I'm like, yeah, virginity. It's um, not a thing. No, we no. come into our sexuality. We don't yes. lose anything. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I yeah. almost love actually that this has came up every episode because I think it just helps drive it home. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not when did you lose your virginity, when did you have partner sex for the first time, when was the first time you felt turned on, you know, Mm -hmm. these are exciting things coming into our sexuality. Yeah. Anyways, there was something about partner sex that really, it like tipped me Mm. into like a freeze response Mm. where I would dissociate from my body um, and Mm. I just felt like I had to do it. Yeah. I was also deeply disappointed that it wasn't good for me, like that I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And so I came up with all these reasons for why I didn't like it. Like maybe my vagina is too big and that's why I can't feel anything <laughs> yeah. good. And maybe if it was smaller, I would feel wow. more and it would be nice, which is the saddest excuse to make up for myself because yeah. then I had a whole fucking issue around feeling like my vagina was too big. Yeah. And that's a huge thing in our culture around like, Oh, she's loose. Mm-hmm. And like this shame yep. around yeah. pussies and like And then you shouldn't have sex with too many guys because then your pussy's gonna be really loose and then no one's gonna have sex with you because you're gonna be like not tight and like you have to have a really, really tight pussy for a guy just, to wanna have sex with you. Can we just bust that for a second? <laughs> can we bust this myth? Because I yeah, bust like it. Pal. <laughs> okay, your pelvic floor gets strengthened with use and Having sex strengthens your pelvic floor, especially if you're enjoying yourself and you're mm-hmm. working it. You're Work it. strengthening your pelvic floor. You're not going to get loose from having sex. Yeah. You're going to have a more supple and strong pelvic floor, which is what you want. You don't want a tight pussy. Mm. You want a strong and supple pussy. Oh, I, I like that. I like yeah. that. Okay, so... I have a strong and supple pussy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You want to like, go deep inside my... Strong and supple pussy. <laughs> do we do we insert that in our dirty talk now? <laughs> yeah, like strong and supple. Give it yes, to me. Yes, instead of my tight. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. I, I think. Totally. I think that that is super important, and, and a lot of people. I think women, even as you've shared, that we feel this sort of shame around like. We don't want anything to be like too big because then it's going to stretch us out, and then we're going to be loose, and then like guys are going to you know shame us and like not be as excited about having sex with us because we're not going to be like just this like tight, small, little, innocent lady. What is the word? Virginal? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it comes back to this idea mm-hmm. and you know, the construct of virginity, how we've made this up is really yeah. just to please. <laughs> like, it's all about the patriarchy. Yeah. Fucking hell. Um, so yeah. So I had all these stories made up about yeah. my sexuality and so so much shame around it that I didn't even realize that they were stories. I just thought they were mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. And because I was carrying so much self-doubt, insecurity, yeah. all this shit, of course I'm not able to drop into like happy-go-lucky, mm-hmm. let's have amazing, gooey, creative sex. Yeah. I'm up in my head. I'm trying to protect myself from yes. someone finding out these 
concerns I have about myself. Mm-hmm. And so my sex life sucked. I didn't want to mm-hmm. have it. And so you I felt thought, like you were just doing it just to do it and just to please. Yep. And to be normal. Like, mm-hmm. you know, okay, if I have sex at least once a week, then I'm fine. Yeah. You know, like these, these thoughts in mm-hmm. my head. And, and then, you know, fast forward, I was in a marriage. I like really mm-hmm. never, ever wanted to have sex. I think it had yeah. been months and I was like, okay, now I'm married. Like I got to figure this out. Yeah. And so my undergrad is in sexuality studies, which mm-hmm. was like even more embarrassing and added to the shame. Cause it was like, uh, like I know this, I'm supposed to be good at this. Like even though they don't teach you how to have sex in uh-huh. sexuality studies, there was just I feel like a persona that I put on. Like oh, I have a degree in this stuff, mm. um, so people related to me a certain way. My husband, I'm sure, related to me a certain way. I come off as confident in my outward yeah. life, but then in the bedroom, it's like oh, I have to keep pretending I'm confident when really mm. I had all of these shames and insecurities that I wasn't being open about. Mm. So yeah. the people who were trying to love me couldn't love me because I had some really thick fucking walls up. Yeah. So I had remembered Dr. Betty Dodson. I had heard about her in my undergrad mm. and she's 90 years old this year. She's still alive mm-hmm. and she's still doing the work, which is madness. Yeah. That's like Dr. Uh, Ruth. Yes. Yeah. Like legendary yeah. women. Yeah. Um, so I went to her apartment in Manhattan to a body sex workshop yeah. in 2016, early 2016. And she answers the door naked. You get in there. Yeah. It's full on. I remember being... Just so, going right into it. Yeah. I remember being so nervous. I looked down at like my sides and there was like a triple stream of sweat going down <laughs> And I was like, fucking yeah. hell, this is next level. Like, I've never been this uncomfortable <laughs> and like pushing myself into it anyways. Yeah. Um, it was really uncomfortable. And that was the really the beginning of my true like sexual education. Yeah. And it's been an experiential one. And mm-hmm. I realized like that's the way to actually like change the script, move the needle and mm-hmm. work through the shit is to yeah. not just talk about it. You've got to put yourself in the position where you're uncomfortable, where, mm-hmm. where those triggers are coming up, where the walls are coming up and you can be like, Oh, that's the wall. Mm-hmm. How do I actually begin to take that apart? Yeah. And that journey was so profound for me. So empowering. Mm-hmm. That I was like, marched myself back to that apartment, I think four months later and got certified to lead those circles. Amazing. Yeah. And that was kind of like, that's how I got into this. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Now I'm like, wait, I want to go to that class. <laughs> you can go to one in Toronto at the end of January. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you should definitely go to Betty's if you can before, like while she's still with us. Yeah. Wow. 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 Okay. All right. We're going to take a short break right here to share one of the sponsors of the podcast, and that is Ashford University. You guys might have heard me talk about them in the past, and they help offer degrees online that you can take at your own pace um, when you're ready. They don't require any kind of standardized testing, um, so it's not required at all to have SAT, GRE, GMAT, or any other standardized uh, testing scores to enroll at Ashford. Um, And They also allow you to be registered in one course at a time. That's actually considered being a full student. Um, So you can really go at your own pace with this. They offer six week long courses. um, And, you know, if you're looking to go back to school to change careers or just want to further your education, uh, you guys can definitely check out. 
Ashford University. You can go to ashford.edu slash Taylor. That's ashford.edu slash Taylor to start your degree today. Again, that's ashford.edu slash Taylor. And now we can get back to the show. I have a lot of thoughts and a lot of questions here. So, <laughs> okay. so first I, I want to say also that I think what you shared experiencing early on in your sexual experiences about feeling like you have to do it and all this mm-hmm. stuff is something that like a lot of women still feel like as adults in their relationships. And that's something I was actually quite surprised to learn when I first started being more open about sexual things publicly that mm-hmm. a lot of the women that follow me and the women that listen to the podcast had so many questions around sex drive and feeling they have a low libido and just feeling like they're in these relationships and they have no interest in sex and like why do they not want to experience it and why when they do try to that they can't and it like made my heart hurt so mm. much that I was like whoa okay we need to talk about this more mm-hmm. we need to get some like education out there we need to reflect on this we need to really take a good look at this because what more fucking beautiful amazing experience could you have than like experiencing yourself sexually and connecting and bonding with a partner in that kind of like vulnerable sexual space like there's literally nothing like it it's the cherry on top of the human experience like oh <laughs> yes you know, like, yes. life is, like, kind of intense. Yeah. Not sure if y'all have yeah. noticed. And not to go back to the virginity thing, but it's not the cherry popping of life. No. No. <laughs> this is, like, the sprinkle. This is, like, the icing. This is dessert of life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, adulting can be, like, kind of relentless. Yes. And there's no end to it. Mm-hmm. And I think our whole culture, and if we go back to, like, the patriarchy and other systems of oppression, like, capitalism, you know, this idea that we have to keep going, keep going, keep going, finish the long list of things to do yeah. before you deserve pleasure. Oh, yeah. You know, um, that's really plaguing us. Yeah. And in order for us to actually tackle the long list, we need to take breaks for pleasure and Mm -hmm. to actually figure out what pleasure means to us and how pleasure can serve us based on where we're at. And people, I think, see a lot of porn because this is Mm -hmm. where we get our education. And I don't know about you, but after like a long day where I'm exhausted, do I want to perform like a porn star? Well, let's be real. I never want to. Um, (laughs) But like, if you think of like the the realness of what people Mm -hmm. are dealing with, they're tired, they're managing a lot of things. And then they want to feel sexy. And when they think of that as sex, it's like, that's not for me. That doesn't serve me. I don't want it. I'd rather just not do it. Mm -hmm. And we shut down this whole system instead of, you know, we just have very limited ideas of what sex is. Yeah. And so then we don't want to do it. Yeah. And a a huge part of that even is, is this whole notion of performing. Mm -hmm. And that I think that that plays a big part that it's like, if you're going to be intimate, that that means you have to start performing, right? That your sexual experience is like you got to put on a show for your partner and you have to make it a really great time and we're going to be so loud and we're going to orgasm everywhere and we're going to come everywhere. And like that, that is a lot of energy and work you have to put in. And especially if it's, if what's coming up in your head, even perhaps unconsciously, is like these images of porn and, you know, all of that, like that is literally a, a performance. And like one of my favorite quotes that I've seen many sex educators and sex therapists share is just this this thought that sex is not 
a performance. It's an yeah. experience. I don't know if you've heard this from someone before, and I forget where I heard it originally, but you wouldn't learn to drive by watching Fast and Furious. Why would you learn how to have sex by watching porn? It's You would hurt yourself. Yep. On, on all the levels. Yes. And the people you're sharing it with. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think porn is bad. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I think the conversation around what is porn, mm-hmm. it's a performance with like really yeah. loud imagery to stimulate things inside mm-hmm. of you. Especially mainstream porn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God. Yeah. One thing I like to share a little bit, and I've, I've shared this several times on the podcast, but... Um, one source of, of porn that I have found to be really helpful and, and like beautiful and I like is uh, Ex Confessions by Erica Lust. And she's always, amazing. Yeah. And, and I like to ask people too, like if they have any sources that they that, like for people to check that's out. That's like the top of my list is <laughs> the Erica Lust. I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, what? These people look like my friends. Yes. That's exactly what I thought too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like these look like my friends. And, yeah. And. You know, these are fantasies and things that I actually play out. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm here for it. Yeah. Well, because they're, like, real people, like, the real stories. That's why it's, like, by Erica Lust and you. Yeah. Like, and they're women's major... fantasies mainly mm-hmm. that they submit. It's yes. it's a very cool thing. And their blog as well offers lots of awesome resources. Like, remember one of their performers, she's, like, sitting on a stool teaching you how to make yourself squirt. And she's just, like, looking in the camera. Oh, I seen that one Oh, yet. check it out. It's a really good resource. Hmm. And it's free. They're there was one that was like a blowjob and it had like YouTubers on. It was like mm. kind of like a comical one. I okay. kind of liked it, but it was like, you know, you're giving a blowjob and like kind of had like the inner monologue. And then, mm. um, and then like the YouTubers like would come in in her head and like, you know, be like, try this. And then, <laughs> and then she would try it and then it's like, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'll have to watch but that. It was, it was, it was cute. Um, <laughs> Not an ad for Erica Les, but check her out. Um, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about these courses that mm-hmm. you are hosting because as we talk about porn and all of that, um, I want to chat orgasms and I want to know what your experience has been like with these courses that you've been teaching and like what that entails and what people take away from it. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. So body yeah. sex is what it's called. Yeah. It's this weekend workshop. It's spread out over two days. Mm-hmm. And there's five rituals that Betty created um, that I stick to. Yeah. I And then I weave other things in. Because mm-hmm. Betty started this work in the late 60s mm-hmm. when people were at sex parties yeah. and women were faking orgasms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, at that time, they were doing consciousness raising circles, you know, Mm. sitting around talking about their feelings. Mm -hmm. She was like, we got to do this, but we got to get naked and we got to talk about like the Mm -hmm. realness. Yeah. Why are we faking orgasms? And so that's how the conversation started. Hmm. And, um, and then the rituals were kind of organically came together over the years. Um, So you talk about how you feel about your body. Hmm. That's the first thing. Which is, um, I remember the first, my first workshop, I just bawled my eyes out of a body hair. And I was like, where the heck did that come from? Like, I really wasn't expecting that. Just the shame that I felt around being a furry person Mm -hmm. and how much embarrassment that was, how much work it was. It's a lot of work. It's so much work. I did an episode a while back about body hair, just like all the different (laughs) kinds. Because I was like, I had the conversation with a few girlfriends and then I was like, wait, can we redo this conversation but record it? Because I think this is important. Yeah, it's <laughs> it so like, important. What do you do with your bush? 
Like, what do you do with your armpit hair? Like, what do you do with mustache hair? What do you do with nipple hair? What do you do with toe hair? And it was yes. all these things that it was like, yeah, can we just... Nipple hair like, is normal. Can we just, like, everyone yeah. needs to nipple hair is normal. Yeah. I remember my mom telling me, and I've relayed this to her, and she doesn't remember telling me this, but she was like, I was probably 11, 12, I don't know. Mm-hmm. She's like, if you get a nipple hair, that is not normal. And oh. so... <laughs> Which is the worst thing you can say. And then she said something about one of my aunts, like having nipple hair and breastfeeding and and um, the baby looking like it had a mustache and her like laughing hysterically. <laughs> so it was like really burned into my brain that if I That's had... That's terrible. Isn't that awful? Love you, mom. Yeah. Uh, love yeah. you lots. You're, you're a great mom. You're a great mom, <laughs> but n- not a good thing to say. <laughs> not, not great. Um, and so that was really burned into my mind, as you can imagine. And yeah. so when my first nipple hair showed up, I was like... Fuck. Yeah. I'm one of the unlucky ones. <laughs> the, yeah. the not normal unlucky ones. And yeah, it I remember like digging out those nipple hairs before they even emerged because I never wanted anyone to find one. And mm-hmm. I have like little scars around my nipples. God bless me. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like that conversation, just holding space for women mm-hmm. to one be naked, that's huge for a lot of people. Yeah. And then to sit there and be like here I am fully exposed. How do I feel about this body? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a really powerful framework. The workshop people shed so much shame and I just like lean back and listen and they just do it all. They just need a space yeah. to peel it off and like get it off of them. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about your body? And then we talk about how you feel about your orgasm. And that's really interesting. That one's usually less emotional, but interesting. Mm. Just hearing people's ideas around it, um, their motivations for having orgasms. It makes me sad how many people want to give orgasms to their partner, like a weird Mm -hmm. little present. Yep. Like here, I orgasm. So now you can feel like you did a good job and like, I'm not hurting your ego. It's crazy. Like the symbolic like gesture, um, like approval that we want to give people instead of actually having the communication skills to let them know how they're impacting us, what they mean to us Mm -hmm. without having to deliver on command some sort of biological experience. Like, what the fuck? This does not make sense, (laughs) you know? So yeah, things come up there. And then the second half of that first day is genital show and tell. Whoa. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. So before genital show and tell though, what did you say in your, like, in your first piece, it was like you said about like body hair, about mm-hmm. your body. But when it came to like about your orgasm, what was oh, your... Let me see if I can remember how I felt about my orgasm. Mm, I've always... I've never struggled with orgasming. Hmm. It's been more of like, a, I don't want to have this. Leave me alone. Like hmm. about sex in general. Okay. And feeling like I was asexual. Hmm. My orgasm back then probably felt pretty small. Hmm. and And I felt like I just wanted to orgasm so that it could be over. I feel like a lot of people are probably going, mm-hmm, right now to that. And it's so sad. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, it's funny, like, how I developed tools that I still use now, hmm. but from, like, a darker place of, like, figuring out how to make myself come so that it could be over. Hmm. And how disconnected I was from my partners who were generous lovers who wanted to give me pleasure, not just orgasms. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be there. And I think that that's a huge part of women's sexuality is us being 
honest about our desires. And that's a huge thing. I didn't know what I wanted. My sexuality Mm -hmm. existed for another person. And because I didn't know what I wanted, I just let sex happen to me. And Mm -hmm. when that stopped being good, then it's just like, no. Mm. Letting sex Mm -hmm. happen to you. Starfish sex. Yeah. I think there, like, as I think back, I'm like, yeah, there's definitely times where it's just felt like I'm just having sex because, like, my partner wants to have sex. Mm -hmm. And I'm just kind of there, but I'm not, like, really there. Yeah. And that's such a shitty place to be because then not only are you a little disconnected, but you also aren't allowing yourself to experience that pleasure. Yeah. And it, you literally, you have to be vulnerable in that. And it's like, you have to reach a place in yourself to like gain that courage and gain that confidence, right? To be able to even be open to experiencing that pleasure. Yeah, it's a real catch 22. Like mm-hmm. you got to figure out how to be open so you can show up. Yeah. Yeah. And that was really hard for me. And the the whole thing with body sex is repairing the foundation of our sexuality, which is mm-hmm. our sexual relationship with ourselves. Yes. And that's it. Like if mm-hmm. you've got a big crack in that and then you throw partner sex on mm. top of it, shit's going to get messy real fast. Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. And so genitals show and tell. <laughs> it's like kindergarten, but weird. Um, <laughs> like inappropriate for kindergartners. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah, totally. Although I do think that they should, uh, maybe not in kindergarten, but yeah. I think that we should show people vulvas. Like we should show children vulvas. Betty has these images that she's drawn. She's a classically trained artist and she's so talented. So I have these like large laminated drawings of vulvas. I should have brought them today yeah. actually. Damn it. Um, maybe we can Take attach pictures. some of them and put them in the show notes or something yeah, so yeah. people can see a vulva gallery. Definitely. And send me some pictures okay. and I'll share them on, on okay. my stories. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. Vulvas. We yeah. have not even been given the right name. Mm-hmm. For our genitals, I mean... Vaginas. Vaginas. That's not the outside part. That's the inside part, just for anyone wondering. The vulva is what you see on the outside. And it was funny, a friend asked me the other day because they have, I think, a toddler. And they're like, what do I call it Mm -hmm. to her? Vagina? And I was like, well, on... On yeah, on toddlers, you can't actually see the vagina. The vulva is closed until like you hit puberty, mm. uh, for the most part. Like if you just looked, you would just see outer lips. That's yeah. the vulva. So mm. call it the vulva because that's yeah. what you're dealing with. And mm. as they get older, tell them more about it. But yeah. it's a vulva, and. I think labiaplasty, when they trim the inner labia, this is like the second fastest growing plastic surgery in the United States right now. Are you serious? I kid you not. That was a stat from, I think, like two years ago when I first started looking into this. Yeah, it's a real problem. And Wow. I remember hearing about this like when I was probably late high school, almost to college. And like I have larger labia and I remember being like, oh my God, people like cut your labia. And I was like, from what I had heard about that was that like a lot of people were doing that in porn, like to make it like less, I don't know, just cosmetically. I I don't even know the actual reason why people would do it. Um, And I just felt like, I was like, oh wait, should my like labia not be like this? Like, is it ugly? Mm -hmm. Is it wrong that it's like this then? Mm -hmm. But also like that is such a personal like special part of myself, like what would that even mean if someone like did that? 
Yeah. Like that's hella personal. It's hella personal. And it's also on top of, you know, the labia is the part of your skin that's on top of the female erectile network. Yeah, this is. An I don't ex- know that I know what you just said, but okay, I think amazing. I agree. <laughs> okay, great. So, so your clit isn't. We're we're used to just seeing the head of a clit. Yeah, but it's really okay. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because, <laughs> um, literally, like a a penis and a vulva or whatever, like the male female parts are like the same. Male, but all, the males all, is just pulled out. All creatures, regardless of gender, on that whole spectrum, have the same amount of erectile tissue. Don't we all start off as girls, as female? Mm, we start, yes, it like changes. Tech, like, I, why did I like not bring anything? I should have brought <laughs> all of the things because, like, I I recently acquired a minivan, which is hilarious, <laughs> and it's like full of like my pelvis, my like internal clit model. Amazing. Like, okay. I, ho- I like hope nobody breaks into my van ever, but if they did, it would be so funny. <laughs> They're going to get educated. They're going to get educated. So um, at 12 weeks in utero, that's when the genitals start kind of like differentiating. Yeah. Um, And so we have legs, female bodied people have legs, bulbs, and then the, the urethra, the, the part that you pee out of that Mm -hmm. goes up to your bladder that that goes along the vagina on the roof of the vagina and it's also wrapped in erectile tissue so the Hmm. g spot was named after whatever his name is dr grafenberg his name is Um, him yeah it and it's you know names matter because when we call something a spot how do you stimulate a spot very differently than you would stimulate a tube of erectile tissue and so it at very best, he could have named it the G-tube. That would have been way better. Like, well, I want you to hit my G-tube. Hit my Get G-tube. That tube. Stroke that G-tube. Milk that G-tube. <laughs> we should yes. use, like, sex education, dirty talk. Like, Yeah, that's honestly what I'm thinking. Like, that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I want you to rub my strong and supple... What did we say? Pussy. Pussy, yeah, yeah. My strong and supple pussy. Vagina, yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Like, we need to, like, change dirty talk a little bit. Dirty talk is a whole other topic oh, that I want to help educate people on and yeah. I want to learn more about. But mm. G-tube. G-tube, yeah. So it's wrapped in erectile tissue the same way the male urethra is wrapped in erectile tissue. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So all of their erectile tissue is mainly existing around their urethra. Our urethra instead bent and went up in our body, while the rest of our erectile tissue stayed flush against our mm. against our body. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, we've got the same amount of erectile tissue, and God bless. Why I. I'm sorry, I don't remember her name right now, but mm-hmm. this Australian OBGYN, she discovered it fully in 1997. Wow. So there's a reason we weren't taught this. I was seven years old in 1997. Yeah, um, yeah like... <laughs> I can't do math, but I think I was like five, four. <laughs> Great. Four. Four. Three plus four is seven. I was born in 93. That's 97. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they weren't teaching us about that because they literally just discovered it. And Whoa. yeah, it's actually a really inspiring story. I made a post about this woman. Hmm. She read in her medical textbook that the, the female genitalia were like a shittier version of men's. And she was like, bullshit. And so she got 10 um, cadavers and like actually discovered the internal clitoris, like our erectile tissue. Can you believe that? They didn't care to, like, they didn't bother to do that with all the other cadavers 
they never like looked at our genitals to find the erectile tissue. It's right there in our body. Absurd. What the fuck? Yeah. So genital shemitel is really powerful because Mm -hmm. you can learn these things. You might be having aha moments even listening to this, but to see it on another person. Yeah. This is how humans learn Mm -hmm. experientially. It's like, oh, you want to learn how to swim? Someone's going to show you how they swim and then they're going to tell you how to swim and then you're going to swim and they're going to help you do it. Mm -hmm. That's what body sex is. Yeah. It's like just an experiential learning. Hmm. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious. So I know you did a course, feel all the feels, which is also where I was like, you're so my vibe, like (laughs) I'm just wavelength here. I'm all about feeling all the feelings. Um, But so is, is that also body sex? No. So body sex is a really hardcore thing. And Betty is like a thug. She's a badass. And we needed her to be that way. I mean, she Mm -hmm. was calling people up on her rotary phone in the 70s, inviting them to her apartment to learn how to masturbate. You know, like we needed her to be that way. Um, But the women that I work with now man, we're, we're really sensitive, deep feeling creatures yeah. and we need to be held with a lot more ritual mm-hmm. and a lot more balance of, um, the psychosomatic experience that's going on there. Mm-hmm. Like what's going on in our brains, what's going on in our bodies yeah. and how do we honor our boundaries inside of a really wild experience like body sex mm-hmm. and have it be trauma informed so that yeah. we move at our own pace and, and honor ourselves. Don't re-traumatize ourselves mm-hmm. through trying to grow. Yeah. Um, so that's so important. It's so important. And honestly, I feel like some sort of like magician casting spells when I facilitate body sex because yeah. there's so many different things going on. Mm-hmm. And when a lot of people hear about this experience, they're like, "Oh, I'm intrigued." And also, hell no, like way too much. Yeah. And so all my other <laughs> offerings are basically like um, smaller invitations forward yeah. to be able to even approach this work. Mm -hmm. And so Feel the Feels is um, a two-hour webinar that I lead. I've been leading it every month. We'll see how long I do it for. Every time I'm blown away by Mm -hmm. just the quality of people that show up and the vulnerability. And the whole idea behind it is we need to understand our nervous system, which is Mm -hmm. the part of our body that feels. Yeah. And when we actually understand how brilliantly our bodies are designed, mm-hmm. like I think it's 80% of our nervous system is actually sensing our organs are sensing outward to see if we feel safe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. sending information up to our brain. So it's not like a, it's not um, a brain down to send mm-hmm. the, to feel the feelings. It's organs sensing out and sending information back up to the brain, which is really wow. interesting because they're all sensing if our environment is safe. Yeah. And this is the link between women's libido that is so important. When we don't feel safe, mm-hmm. our nervous system is in a place where it's not going, we're not going to get turned on because we yeah. don't feel safe. And um, <laughs> there's lots of reasons to not feel safe. Yep. And trauma isn't actually when something bad happens to you. Trauma is when your nervous system response Mm-hmm. to bad things happening to you or or feeling unsafe. Yeah. So you feel unsafe, your nervous system kicks in, it'll either mobilize you to get out of that yeah. or if that's not an option, it'll freeze you. It'll even like start shallowing, um, making your breathing more shallow and shutting mm-hmm. your organs down so that you can survive yeah. being small and very still for as long as possible mm-hmm. so that you can then mobilize yeah. and then probably shake things off. Literally, they do this in the mm-hmm. wild and burn off those hormones that were yeah. just flooding through you. So when that process gets interrupted, then we have trauma. 
Because mm-hmm. when the loop isn't able to complete, it lives in your tissues and in your psyche yeah. so that when you get triggered, triggered, we use that word all the time, but nobody even knows what that actually means. Yep. But when you get triggered, then that unprocessed emergency response is bam, right there. Yep. That's why you know you might be getting sexy and then all of a sudden you feel like deeply sad or mm-hmm. mad and you're like, what the fuck? Where did that come from? And how do yep. I deal with that now? So feel the yeah. feels is explaining people's nervous systems mm-hmm. to them and then doing my top three really simple practices for telling your body that it's safe. And there's mm. physiological things that you can do to yeah. cue safety at yeah. your brain. Wow. Mm-hmm. Whoa. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. Aww. I'm so happy. This, I, the, the safety piece is just discussing this as providing, is providing a lot of validation for myself. Mm. Um, in my, last relationship and I've just I've been doing a lot of reflecting about this in general and one of the biggest areas of feedback perhaps more criticism than feedback not sure um, <laughs> that I received I remember he he wrote me this very long letter right and it was like a letter of how we just kind of figure out like what the fuck we're doing like neither one of us are unhappy all this and a huge part of his letter to me was basically like psychoanalyzing me and <laughs> had this literally the whole thing was basically about my deep rooted need for security and for safety and how that is like essentially fucking up our relationship because I wasn't, (laughs) and I mean, that's not what it said, but like, that's my interpretation, um, that it was, you know, even from like needing to lock all three of the locks on my door was brought up because there's like three locks on my door. And so before I go to bed, I'm like, I lock all three. So it's like from things to that, to me not wanting someone to come inside of me and my vagina, um, that like those kinds of things that, that I had such a deep rooted need for security when it comes to even emotionally for my partner to like be there in that way. When it comes to like providing things like warmth, like when I'm cold and wanting a jacket or wanting to share a blanket or just not wanting to be cold itself, that it was even like physically, I need to make sure that I'm comfortable at all times. And all these things where I was like, yeah, I do want those things. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily refer to that as like a deep rooted need for security as like something I need to work on. Like, I think all those things are like reasonable for me to want and for me to need. I don't like, oh my God, you're uh, like a wise little snuggly mammal that knows <laughs> that what it needs to like, want to like be safe so that you can be playful yeah. and self-expressed and all of these things. And the fact that you know what you need in order to feel safe should be celebrated instead of held against you. Yeah. And I think it was more like he was trying to challenge me on those things to like not need them. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I'm like, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I definitely tried to look at those things. Right. And I tried to be like, okay, yeah. Like how can I grow from some of this? But a lot of it was also just like, you know, and I shared this letter with like my friends, my family and my therapist. And, mm-hmm. um, it was just kind of like, yeah, those are things that like you like that that's not a lot to ask for to have Mm -hmm. someone that like provides that kind of emotional consistency and um connection and security there that like i think i've tried to challenge myself to not need security and to not need commitment in order to be intimate with someone and to Mm -hmm. be able to share a space with someone but i think that 
there's only so much you can do with that. Like you mm-hmm. do need a certain level of trust and safety in order to be vulnerable. Like otherwise that's where are your emotional boundaries for totally. yourself? Like otherwise that just is you not actually respecting yourself and your needs by just being like, yeah, I just, we're just here. We're just going to be in it. Like yeah. that doesn't seem respectful to yourself. And I went down that path and then mm. I was like, wait, no, no, no. Like these things, like, that's that's okay for me to have that as a need, that need for security in order to like really commit myself emotionally and sexually, which was also a large part of this letter, right? Of wanting me to be more like open sexually mm-hmm. um, for things like come, I suppose. And I just, I, I love that you brought up this safety thing because it, it makes me feel validated in this. And I think it also likely is very validating for women who are kind of stuck in this like, very toxic hookup culture and feeling like they shouldn't have any expectations of their partner that they're being intimate with and that they just have to kind of like set their needs aside and just, you know, wait for the man to pursue you. And like when he's, you know, you're just kind of waiting around for him to like commit to you kind of a thing. But like, no, like it's okay for you to have that desire and have that need for safety and for security. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of that comes with like, communication. Yeah. I think the only time that that gets toxic is when you're asking people to give you things that you don't know how to give yourself. Does that make sense? Yes. Like I agree. I think that's where if mm-hmm. if it was like um you have to come to my apartment every night and tuck me in and lock all three locks. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, Taylor, grow the fuck up. Put your big girl pants on. I wish, I wish that's what I was asking of him. <laughs> right? Like that, that would yeah. make sense. Yeah. Um, the same way that, you know, if they have to perform like excessive rituals in order for you to feel safe to be sexy. Yeah. No, it's, it's very simple things. Like, yeah. can you share a blanket with me? That's so sweet. <laughs> Okay, well, good thing you're not dating this person anymore. And yeah, but now I struggle with accepting niceness. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> which I did before, which I did before. But... Like with receiving love or just niceness? Just like the nice. But I think, I don't know. I literally <laughs> just in my last recording too, we were discussing the whole concept between like men and women and how we're both raised with this like the concept of the nice guy finishes last, but then also like... The boy that's throwing sand at you on the playground likes you. Yeah, that's it's weird, right? Yeah. So it's like we're taught these super like inverted, toxic, weird, unhealthy versions of what men and women are and how they show and like experience love and affection. Yeah. And my first relationship got like very verbally and then physically abusive. And so I think that's where a lot of it stems mm-hmm. from for me of just like this niceness. And my mom never had like the healthiest relationships. Um, and so a lot of that just wasn't modeled, right? Like I didn't have a model of that. And now in my early 20s, I've been able to see a lot of that love and that um, respect and safety and communication and all of those things. Um in my, I like to refer to him as, as like my chosen father. Uh, his name's Rob, and I was his practice daughter. And Rob has been on the podcast before, and I've Aww. shared a lot about him. Um, but yeah, like him and his partner Leonor, like they just have this amazing relationship, and their kids are just absolutely wonderful. And I'm like, I just love them so much. I'm you like, have like I little want... adopted parents. <laughs> yeah, that's really cute. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, um, non blood related, but like he, yeah. 
he's basically like been in my life forever. And just, you know, I think in a way he's almost reteaching me some of those things of, of dating and how, um, how a man should show up in your life. And, mm-hmm just ask me like really good questions to focus on when it comes to dating. And, and a large part of that is like processing that niceness, at least for the last few months for me. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's a whole, it's a whole thing, but, um, I, I really do want to chat a little more about orgasms. Let's do it. <laughs> because yeah. I have questions about orgasms. <laughs> Please ask me all your questions about <laughs> orgasms. Uh, you know what? Maybe a good segue that is to roll into I can talk about day two of the workshop that yes. happens. Okay, yeah, yeah. so general show and tell takes a while on day one. So that's really all yeah. we get done on day one. Mm-hmm. Day two, I teach the women the rock and roll method, which is Betty's method of masturbating. <laughs> all I picture is like a guitar and you're just like... She's so nuts. I love her so much. Yeah, she would name it the rock and roll. And they've studied this. I forget the study. They studied at least 500 women who were anorgasmic. So that means they haven't had an orgasm mm-hmm. in at least 10 years. And some of them would have never had an orgasm. So that's kind of the definition mm-hmm. of anorgasmic. So they took these okay. women and they t- clinicians taught them the rock and roll method. Mm-hmm. And then under the supervision of a clinician, which that blows my mind, 93% of these women were able to have orgasms. How? What are they doing? Using this method. They're doing the rock and roll method. So, I mean... (laughs) Under supervision. (laughs) Yeah. I have to read the study again because that part like weirds me out a little bit. Did you watch... I wonder if it's just like a camera, you know, and like someone's like watching. Or they're in like a room and maybe there's not a camera, but there's like a sound thing where they can ask questions or something. I don't know the details. Maybe like, you know, they have like little things on their body uh, taking data... Oh, did you watch that show, Masters and Johnson? Yeah. Masters of Sex? Yeah. Yes, on Showtime. That was fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they really are like the pioneers of studying yes. sex. It's very inspiring if you, if you work in the sex field. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, the, the important thing is that 93% of these women were able to have orgasms. Some, like, then they weren't having orgasms before. So it's a really effective yeah. method. And it's really good for you to learn it experientially because mm-hmm. it's really hard to explain these things. Just like it's hard to teach someone how to swim on a podcast. I wouldn't do it very well. Very, very true. But I'm also But you're like, tell try. me, tell me. Yeah, okay, yeah, great. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and also though, for people that like want to get more into it, this is like you offer this online. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's, I sometimes I review sex toys on my Instagram and I'll take a drawing of a vulva and I'll like show you how to do the rock and roll method on Amazing. a drawing. Amazing. Yeah, because we can figure this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't you don't have to we don't have to get naked together and masturbate together, although it's really fun. <laughs> um but I will teach you on a drawing. Yes. <laughs> um so the rock and roll method is mainly Mm, okay, so you're using a magic wand. This is like the Body Sex Classic. Do you know that like iconic so, microphone-looking mm, vibrator? Yeah, I've never used it before. Okay. Um, it seems like I'm not gonna lie. It like it's intense it's looking. Kind of intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. You can that, use like, this at with first. That. When I first yeah. saw it, I was like, "Is am I supposed to insert that?" That's everybody's question. You don't put it inside you. Yeah. Thank God. I, that would be insane. Because there's like. 
it almost is like this big thing at the top and there's like a little like space, right? And then it's like the whole handle thing. And it's the like, handle do you need looks- that whole handle? I don't well, know. Well, you know, the great thing about the handle is that when you're holding the handle, since it's so large, one, you don't have to like, um, you're not going to get like a wrist cramp because it's so long. True. Okay. So it makes it accessible. And it also, you don't feel any of the vibrations in your hand, which is nice. That is such a good point. Yeah. And it's also like a really powerful, hearty machine that will last you for life. I don't know how you feel about sex toys, but I feel like so many of them are made so poorly. Well, yeah. Like really Mm -hmm. poorly. Yeah. And I'm a bit of a sex toy minimalist, like just invest Mm -hmm. in really high quality, good ones. They are quite expensive. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I I know it's worth it, but like it takes me a minute because I'm like, do I want to spend less? You have to come to Body Sex and you'll be like, I'll take two. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. And I think like just as we're on this quickly, Mm -hmm. um, When I did get my first like vibrator and, and dildo, my my buddy Jack, um, I remember my Oh my god, you named it Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Great. That was like one of my greatest loves. His name was Jack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, okay. But I think there's this fear for people who have never used toys or perhaps are just like uh, unsure about masturbating that if they use a vibrator that it's going to like throw off their simulation on their clit and that like, Mm. they're not going to, it's going to like desensitize them and then regular sex, regular. And then having sex with a partner or partners is going to like not feel as good. And you're not going to be able to orgasm because you've gotten so used to this hyper stimulation of this toy. And now like you're, you can only do it from that toy now. Yeah. People have this, like, I think that it's a myth that needs to be busted. So I remember I was like, is it? I was like, no, it's not. No. I was like, I can use this vibrator as much as I want to use it. <laughs> you can for sure. You will. You won't like ruin your clit by any means. You can yeah. develop um, an association. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is strong. So yeah. you want to make sure you're using a vibrator in the proper way. Mm-hmm. They don't really teach us how to buy, use them. You buy teach it us. and then it's like, go. Okay. So teach us, Katrina. This I'm, is what you're here for. Here we are. I'm so happy for this. Great. You want to fuck your vibrator. You don't want to be fucked by your vibrator. Does this make sense? Yes. Okay. So a lot of times I remember back to the first vibrator I bought. Mm -hmm. It was like a really expensive one because I thought if it was more expensive, it would work better. And I really needed it to work. Uh, yes. And it had like two motors. It was like a rabbit style, but the, the part that went inside the vagina like moved independently. And I was like, oh, that, oh. that, that scares you just, me. Oh, I, I was had... like, did she just come? No, she like, she was scared. <laughs> that was like a scared shutter. Yeah, no, that was like a, I've, I've, I've seen those, but like to me, that doesn't seem like what a, like a, a typical penis would do. And uh-huh. it'd be such a different kind of experience that I feel like it would feel like it's like some foreign thing inside me like moving around yeah. and that feels like it's fucking me and not like uh-huh. i'm fucking it i mean alien sex is a definite fantasy for a lot of people it is so we'll just drop to that each, there to each their own yeah we don't want to yuck mm-hmm. anyone's yum here but yeah. whatever quotes are both yeah okay so i had this this fancy vibrator that like did all sorts of things and i just like put it inside of me and push the buttons and then like waited to come Okay, so I think a lot of people are taking a very passive role in their sex for Mm -hmm. one as well Mm -hmm. as in their sex for two. We talked about that, but also we find like what works and then we just do that. Mm -hmm. Okay, and a lot of people are having tension orgasms. They're just squeezing and applying more vibration until they. I like the squeeze. Yeah, I, I do the squeeze. 
Okay, so there's nothing wrong with squeeze, mm-hmm. and there's something really nostalgic and like childlike about like squeezing. Absolutely, until I'm you so, have an orgasm. Honestly, I'm so mm-hmm. glad that we're talking about this shit because mm-hmm. in a episode, a few episodes ago, we talked about the squeezing, and I brought up Big Mouth. Have you watched Big Mouth no. on Netflix? No. Oh. It's amazing. Okay. Um, so, so, so good. Okay, it's about like it basically going through puberty. It's like cartoons and it's all these like mm. amazing comedians do the voices. It's so good. And yeah, one of the little girls, Missy, who I identify with, um, she has this like little toy and she's just like squeezing her legs and like, I just did a little squeeze now. Um, but it's, it was like so validating to be like, oh yeah, like that's like, you don't see that in porn, right? Like you don't see it, like guys aren't like, oh yeah, are you squeezing your legs together tonight? It's like... <laughs> Like, that doesn't happen. But, like, yeah. that's something that feels so good for me. Totally. And it's, like, it's so validating to hear that. Yeah, lots of women come to me with this concern of, like, the only way I can come is crossing my ankles and squeezing my legs really hard. <gasps> and I'm, like, girl, you and everyone else. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's a very common thing. So what the rock and roll method does is you take these good things and you learn how to work for them instead of having... um like a monotoned sex experience with yourself of just yeah. squeeze till you come. So the rock and roll, you're rocking your pelvis. I wish yeah. okay. some like movement, you know? So you're moving. So say yeah. if you have, thank you. I'm like, can I use my microphone to demonstrate <laughs> how to use the magic wand? <laughs> Sorry, we don't have stands. No. So we're holding our mics, but, and we get like very, you know, expressive with our hands and stuff. But it's true. We're going to bring it back. Yeah, here we go. Okay. So, if you hold mm, a sex toy, let's say a magic wand, for example, mm-hmm. still, and then you grind your pelvis yes. against it so that at one part, it's going to be on your clit or whatever part it feels really good for you. Mm-hmm. That's say like part A. Yeah. Take a breath in there and then you're going to exhale and you're going to rock your pelvis away from it so that you no longer have that sensation. Mm, like a little tease? Yes. I like a little tease. Yeah, it's like a rhythmic tease. Mm-hmm. But the the part of this that I also like is that you're moving your body. This is like huge. Like when you're moving your hips, like I think in day-to-day life, we're not moving a lot, right? No. Like we're sitting, we're maybe we're walking around a little bit, but even that, like it's pretty, our hips are staying pretty still. Yeah. And even sometimes in, in partnered sex, right? Like sometimes we're not. If you're, if you're doing involved. it passively, yeah, yeah, for sure. And so there's something about the rock and roll where you're really engaging your butt cheeks as well to like mm-hmm. thrust because you're, you're rocking your hips back and forth, yeah. rocking and rolling your hips. Oh, you get it? You, you get it? Yeah. yeah. While having a vibration in um, a still position, you're Mm -hmm. rocking and rolling against it. So you're creating a build up where you're having to use your brain to fill in the gaps and you're using the space between to create more desire. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. The same way when you're with a lover, um, they're not just going to be giving you like full blast everything you want. Mm-hmm. until you come yeah. there's like there's ebb and flow and it's yeah. actually that ebb and flow that makes it so hot because you work for it mm-hmm. you squeeze for it you like yeah y- you've got like a vulva that's like hungry for something mm-hmm. it's working it you yeah. know and so that's part of it and then the other part is using a stainless steel dildo that betty created herself she calls it betty's barbell it's a pound 1.2 pounds i think it's really heavy and this is 
magic. If you've never used a stainless steel dildo before, um, the brand, and this is not sponsored, but I do love it. Um, the Enjoy brand, they okay. make a curved one that's really nice. Something about stainless steel, one, it's the most like hygienic material because you can boil it and completely sterilize it. Very true. You can't like boil like silicone. You can, I don't think you maybe definitely not like ones that have vibrators in them. Yeah. You could you could probably vibrate like a silicone vibrate. You could boil. Vibrate. <laughs> 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 you could probably boil a silicone dildo. Do you know what? Just look at the yeah, box yeah. of whatever yeah. you buy. But For sure. Read the instructions. Yeah. The cool thing with using um, like a stone dildo, like a crystal one, those are all the rage. I don't actually... Anyways, those or stainless steel using these materials, your body warms them up. And so as it's moving in and out of you, you feel like the the heat, the inside of a turned on vagina is like very, very hot. hot. Yeah. Yep. And to feel it warm up and as you're pulling it in and out of yourself, you can feel your own heat hmm. move in and out of you. It's a really gorgeous sensation. Huh. But the other part of that material that makes it really good is its heaviness. Um Fucking is the best exercise for your pelvic floor. Yeah. It is. And so when you're having sex with yourself, to use a heavy dildo, your pelvic floor has to lift up against that. Mm -hmm. When your pelvic floor is stronger, um, your orgasms can be stronger because the muscles are stronger. Yeah. Does that make sense? sense? So yeah, it's using those two things in combination is the rock and roll method. Mm and there's like there's levels to it. It's a really beautiful like base practice. Like if you do yoga, if you think of like, do you do yoga at all? I should. Do you know what? Like, no, no shitting. <laughs> you- I want kind of want to. Maybe some like sexy yoga you could get I into. I would for sure do some sexy yoga. I yeah. just don't like the idea of hot yoga because I don't want to like pass out. Oh yeah. We don't want to do that. Yeah. So the basic idea with like linking your breath with movement. So if you do do yoga and you know, like cat cow, it's like you inhale, you arch your back, mm-hmm. you exhale, you round your back. Yeah. So, so like that, those kinds of things are a little hard for me because I have scoliosis. So I have two metal mm-hmm. like titanium rods in my spine. Okay, so like some it. of that movement with yoga, I like get a little discouraged from because I'm like, I can't, like I just physically can't do some of those things. Okay, cool. So both my sister and my aunt have scoliosis. So yeah. I'm like, well, first. There's all sorts of movements our bodies can take and Mm -hmm. yours could take different ones. The main thing is that we're linking breath with movement. Mm -hmm. And then as you're doing that, you can be pulling this dildo in and out of you with the movement, creating Hmm. something that Betty calls a suction fuck. And the idea... I fucking love Betty. Honestly, she's so cool. I love her. Um, I fucking love Betty. Yeah, the suction fuck. So the idea is if we think of it from like a heteronormative model yeah. of like penis vagina, mm-hmm. that it's actually um, the penis moving out of you that feels good for a penis. And if you are sucking the penis inside of you as it's pulling out of you, you're creating the suction, suction fuck. Yeah. Okay. Mm. That is like really great. Especially you're giving a hand job with your pussy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you want to be sucking well, sucking that's like, as it's moving out of you. That's like why blowjobs feel good. Yeah. So figure out how to do that with your pussy, yo. Yeah. By yourself on your own time. And it did feels you just great. Say, figure out how to do that with your pussy, yo. I did. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> I love you so much. I really love you. <laughs> great. Thank you. I'll let that in. Um, but really, like, I think a that. Suction fuck. A suction fuck. Okay. 
and using our masturbation practices to be like dynamic mm-hmm. and exciting and to build into experiences. Yeah. I think we're like eating the equivalent of candy mm-hmm. in our in our sex for one practices. Yeah. Where we just give ourselves everything we want really quickly. Mm-hmm. And when we don't have to work for something, we don't enjoy the result. True. It's like everything in life. You, if you take your time to go slow yeah. and to like, first really build the desire for something. Yeah. And this is another part of the genital show and tell that is so important is most women don't know the shape of their own boner. We get erections just like every Mm -hmm. other person with a penis. Mm -hmm. If we don't know the shape of our own erection, how will we know when we have an erection, when we're actually ready? Do you, do people, if you're listening, do you even know what you need in order to get an erection? Like what turns you on? Mm -hmm. And when you say like erection, when you're someone with a vulva, mm-hmm. that's like your clit expanding. Yeah. So there's a bunch of components of it, which is why kind of the best way to describe it is the female erectile network. Yeah. So that is the head of the clit, which you're probably familiar with, mm-hmm. the shaft that goes up towards your pubic bone. Which is on the inside. Yeah, which is underneath of your skin mm-hmm. and underneath, usually for most women, underneath the hood, there's like a hood that goes over your mm-hmm. clit. That's like where when you push it, like while you're getting fingered, it feels really good. Oh, for sure. So like if, you even, if, you, if you even take your finger to your pubic bone and you go like back and forth above your clit, it'll feel like there's like an elastic band underneath of your skin. Okay, hold on. We're in like a recording studio feeling our clits over our We're in a space and I feel the bone. Okay. So if you're listening, please do this with us. Yeah. Okay. okay we're so like slashed in our chairs with our legs <laughs> slightly spread apart and I'm trying to feel for this bone. I know. I'm like wearing jeans, so it's not super easy. But yeah. um, if you find like where your clit is and then you just go up above it and then mm-hmm. go side to side and you'll feel it feels like a rubber band kind of like underneath. Yeah. Do you feel that? It's yeah. like that's the shaft of your clit. Hmm. Yeah. I'll send you an image so you can put it in the in your stories. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you have a shaft that goes up and then from there you have, it looks like a wishbone, like a double wishbone that yes. extends down. You've probably seen this. Yes, I have. Okay. I have one of these little toys. Okay, great. Yeah. And then there's the perineal sponge. So that the, your perineum is the part between your vagina and your asshole. That's yes. also erectile tissue. That's and why- that's also what men have and they like... Right? That little piece of skin between their, their balls, their sack. I'm trying to be like professional here. Um, You're good. But I'm just saying balls. Uh, between their balls and their anus. Um, the bad ball. <laughs> <that> between, <laughs> between those, there's that little spot and that that's like like gold right there. Yeah. So both of us have a rectile tissue in between. Yeah. Theirs is a little bit deeper in between. Ours mm-hmm. is more closer to the surface. Okay. okay. But that doesn't matter. Stimulating that area leads to massive pleasure. This is why people can yeah. have anal orgasms. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole other thing. There's so many kinds. Oh so when you know about all of your erectile network and you can recognize your own boner and see how it's mm-hmm. all fluffed up, there's an amazing book um, by Sherry Winston. She used to be a midwife called Women's Anatomy of Arousal. Hmm. And... It's a goodie. Yeah. And the the images in there are really good. So if you have a vulva or love someone with a vulva, get yourself educated on the female erectile network. I think it's it's interesting. I think it's like even people with penises should also be educated in this area. And I think it's... (laughs) 
I think <laughs> it would take a little bit of work just to get more comfortable around the language of this because it's essentially creating a almost like a gender fluid dialogue because these words that we're using are highly associated with mm-hmm. like the male concept, whatever. Um, and that even using that language for heterosexual sex and with partners that there might be some confusion around that. And there might be some like shame associated, some embarrassment associated with being like, yeah, David, do you even like see my boner? (laughs) Like, right. Like, I don't know. This is why all women need to get out a mirror. If you're listening to this, please look at your vulva in a mirror mm-hmm. and masturbate in front of a mirror and see how your vulva changes as your erectile network plumps up. Because mm-hmm. it's incredible. But we call it a boner. Like Do a female we, boner. We, I mean, there is really no language. We're in like a new frontier. We, I guess we could make up whatever language we want. I don't love the word boner. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like I'm like a 14-year-old boy, like, I got a boner. Like a lady boner. People say that. I don't love that word. Yeah. But um, it's your erection. Yeah. So, yeah, you want to know about I'm just thinking erection. about like our new like dirty talk ah. language, you know? Well, like, it depends if I, on like, what send turns a, you on. Like, if I send like a sexy text, right, of like, I have such an erection for you. I feel like you could be like, my vulva is so swollen thinking of you yes. that I could feel the ridges of my inner labia. Boom. I would. That's lo- your text that you're going to send to your partner, vulva, f- fellow vulva owners oh, having, yes. having people um, <laughs> to and send to your partner. And you really got to figure out what does your erection feel like and how does your body react and then describe it. Yeah. Well, because your vulvas do, it's, it's a swelling. Mm -hmm. Like I can tell, like if I'm super aroused, like it's just all swollen and like almost, there's almost like a a tightness or like a closeness of the whole area, right? Because it's swollen that it's like, everything's just like totally there. Yeah. And there's like a quality to the skin and like Mm -hmm. the silkiness of it as it plumps up because your tissues are changing. It really changes so much. Yes. Changes so much. Vaginas and vulvas are absolutely incredible. Yeah. They're so resilient. Hella resilient. Mm -hmm. Expansive. Yeah. Yeah. And beautiful. So powerful. So powerful. It's really good. Yeah. So I forget how we got on this on this topic, but back I don't to even vulva know. love. Back to vulva love. I don't even know. There's so many more things I want to... Do you want to talk about <laughs> orgasm? Did we answer... I don't... Did we even get into orgasm? Oh, man. I, I do want to chat orgasm. And I guess... Like, I wanted to talk about, like, trauma-informed orgasm. I wanted to talk mm. about, like... Um, what was it? Tantra and like Taoism, mm. consciously orgasming ways. Like there's ah. so much information that you know and like personal experience that like is so valuable and that like I want to learn and I want to share with listeners. Um, with the time we have left slash don't because we already have oh gone over, God. but that I want to keep talking anyway. Um, <laughs> I I do want to chat briefly about um, orgasm. Okay, yes. And just like female orgasm. And like there's a difference between orgasming and coming. Yep. And I guess just what that work has looked like 
that you've done with people around like figuring out how they orgasm and like what orgasm looks like and I guess communicating that like with your partner too. Okay, cool. Like how I want to experience orgasm. A, I mean, I guess you need to figure that out for yourself first, but Mm -hmm. I mean. If we think of orgasm as a peak experience, that's what I want you to think of it as, okay? Mm -hmm. And then we think of your sexual energy. You know when sexual energy is involved. Oh, yeah. It's really powerful. Mm -hmm. You'll like wipe a day clear so that you can like get it on. Mm -hmm. Like you'll move plans. It's it's a very persuasive, powerful energy. When that's moving through you... And you're and you're building it through mm-hmm. say something like the rock and roll, where you're you're building energy in a rhythmic way yeah. and you're feeling it expand in you. There's blocks to orgasm, like mm-hmm. being afraid of what it's gonna look like. Yeah. Trying to hold yourself in ways that like look hot. Mm-hmm. Some of the hottest orgasms that I've ever had, I've probably looked the most unhot. I'm literally thinking of one right now where like, yeah. yeah, I did not look good at all. And then I remember seeing like the look on his face, like when he saw me and I could tell he was so turned on. <laughs> Part of me wanted to like giggle a little bit and like laugh because it was like, <laughs> but then I was also just like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. This feels amazing. And that's what, I mean, I don't know about you, but if I'm having sex with a partner, I want to witness them discovering new levels of feeling mm-hmm. that they didn't even know possible, yeah. whether they need to like have their face contorted or mm-hmm. be like, ah, for like, two minutes yeah you know like it doesn't yeah. fucking matter like i want to be there to hold space for mm-hmm. you to like yeah. for you to go there and blow and, your mind yeah and like and that's what our that's what good partners want to do <laughs> yeah. so so just remember that mm-hmm. um and to really let yourself go there yeah um to have a peak experience it's about letting go of control oh yes 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 it is I think even yeah. I've attempted to like control like when and how I come because there is also like fear around that too of like what's mm. it gonna look like like is it gonna am I gonna squirt everywhere is it gonna be a puddle is it gonna be like more uh, like a thicker type of texture mm. um, of just like I don't know what it's gonna look like I don't know what it's gonna be like and so the part of you is like kind of like trying to control that but then you're also like ah, now I'm in my head and like now I'm not now nothing's coming out and now I'm like anxious about the fact that nothing's coming out but it does feel so good. But okay, let me just not give a shit and just like feel it. And like, if nothing happens, nothing happens. But like, I still feel good. See, it's so interesting even hearing you speak because it sounds like you are accustomed to ejaculating in some sort of way with different consistencies. Yeah. Yeah. Like there have been times that it's like just like liquidy, but then there's other times that it's like a... Like creamier? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas some people might not have that. We all have different experiences of our own orgasm. And so, and there's different kinds that you can have. Mm -hmm. Um, So orgasm is peak experience. Mm -hmm. You can have them from any part of that erectile network. Yeah. The kind of new frontier of female pleasure that I'm really interested in is cervical orgasms because medical textbooks are saying that like it's they have no feeling when there's actually three nerves that go from your cervix to your brain. So I don't know where the hell they got that from. What is up with this research? Yeah. Um, so cervixes have like triple the power to light up your brain than the rest of your erectile nerves. So that's really interesting. Yeah. And then there's also like energy sex 
Um, I'm leading a workshop in Toronto this weekend. It'll, it'll probably be passed, but you should totally come. It's on Sunday night. Um, yeah, you can bring your partner that you were telling me about. Very bring, my, fun. bring my man friends. Yeah, yeah. And um, there's... Keep me down. Our, our brain is what's actually lighting up when we orgasm. It's not yeah. our genitals, right? So when you can use visualization and awareness of your energy, it's really interesting. Mm. I remember it was this past summer that I had my first experience of energy sex. Barbara Corellis, she, she mm. wrote this book called Urban Tantra. It's amazing. And she was guiding a, a group of, there's probably like 30 body sex facilitators mm. in this room. And so we were partnering off and she was teaching us energy sex. And I was with my friend, Irina, she Shout out to Irina. And we're looking at each other, left eye to left eye. And she's teaching us the power play of sexual energy, where you're like cultivating your sexual energy and you're giving it to each other. Yeah, it was really cool. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I got super turned on. We were like getting into a really great space. And she was yeah. my friend, which was so cool to explore it hmm. like that. Yeah. And, um, and then to work with the power play of it, like, okay, now I'm going to give 75% and you only give 25% and you're going to receive more. And like feeling how that exchange felt totally different. It's like, oh my God, this fucking works. And we're using our imagination. Wow. So, I mean. So that, is there like touching? You don't, you don't need to be touching at all. Whoa. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. And people who, and one, this is the safest sex possible. Yeah. Okay, the safest. It also transcends all genders mm-hmm. um, and physical ability as well. People who yeah. are completely paralyzed can have like connection, pleasure, even orgasms. Hmm. Yeah, women who are paralyzed can still have cervical orgasms. I was Whoa. reading a study last week about it. It's really interesting stuff. Wow. So the the world of orgasm that you know it, whatever you're having, is like a fraction of what's possible. I mean, throw some psychedelics in there and then <laughs> just like, I've never done like, those. They kind of scare me. Um, but yeah, yeah. no, that sounds amazing. Yeah, because it's, it's really happening in our brain. Yeah, that makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. Because like when I orgasm, like I'm not necessarily coming. Nothing's necessarily happen- happening like coming out of me if we think of the female like definition of orgasm it's the spontaneous convulsions of the vaginal muscles it does feel like i'm like convulsing yes we do feel like can't breathe yeah so that is like the the traditional definition of Mm -hmm. female orgasm are these these pelvic muscle contractions that happen rhythmically after a peak experience and then yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and you you can like feel it if say you're fingering yourself you're like well they're really like going for it on their own if you think of like a sneeze it's like you're not controlling a sneeze it's a spontaneous physiological response orgasm is the same there are things you can do with your energy and visualization to expand that experience to last for like minutes Hmm. yeah the, there's so much to play with here. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Sunday night? Sunday night. <laughs> Who's coming? I think there's three <laughs> spots left. Okay, can I fill two? Yeah, yeah, for real. We'll, we'll talk about that. Yes. No, that's so amazing. I love all the things you're doing. And Thank I you. am sure this has been like so, so, so helpful for people when they attend your workshops and when they take your courses. And I'm sure when they listen to you on the podcast as well. Um, I want to hear so much more. And like, I want to have you on again. And just like, also, can we be friends now? Oh my God. Yes, I love it. <laughs> of course. And send 
each other's sex stories because that's my favorite. Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love, love doing that. Um, and definitely, it sounds like you have a lot of resources as well, just in terms of like toys and education. Mm-hmm. Um, and so any of that kind of stuff that we talked about today, I will include in the episode notes so cool. that all of you listeners can check that out. But um, I also just feel like uh, I should have some kind of highlight on my feed around this stuff because this was so informational and so helpful. Um, so I will definitely be sharing and, and tagging you. Um, you guys, I'll, I'll let you share uh, where people can follow you and how they can mm-hmm. find you. Yeah. Instagram is where I hang out the most. Yep. Um, my orgasmic life. Yeah. Perfect. So on brand. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> if you want to see more offerings and read more in-depth, mm-hmm. like longer form stuff about body sex, I write about every workshop that I do. It's on my blog and you can find mm-hmm. all that at katrinamarie.com. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being here and for mm-hmm. chatting with me about all this. This is amazing. My pleasure. I'm going to have to like come down from this conversation. <laughs> I'm feeling great. <laughs> amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yay. Bye. <laughs> All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right, and, and sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast. Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity.